Your identity is your sense of who you are. It has a structure and content. The content is everything you identify with, like your beliefs and your memories and your social roles, like being a partner or a parent and your personal story. And then there's identity structure. So if your identity content is everything that you identify with, the structure is its parts. So in terms of structure, your identity is made up of the I and the me. The I is the thinker. It's the part of us that's thinking. And the me is all the things that we think about as belonging to us or being ours. So anything that you might say belongs to me or is mine, like my thoughts or my feelings, my beliefs, my memories, my social roles, like there's my partner or my parent, and this is my story. This is the story that I tell about me. It also includes our physical body and, and our possessions. And so what the I does as the thinker is it thinks about all of the me's and it says all of these me's, they all belong to the same I. And it's because the I does that, that's how we have a sense of identity, like a sense of being a person. So then there's identity content and I'm gonna start with our social roles. And so one of my favorite summaries like that I've ever heard uh, for what a social role is, is that your social roles are all the answers that you can come up with to what the Cheshire Cat asks Alice in Alice in Wonderland. You remember that? The Cheshire Cat asks Alice, who are you? So let's say, for example, that we ask grown-up Alice, who are you? And grown-up Alice says, I'm a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting yoga instructor. And so each one of those is a social role. And so social roles or social identities, they're kind of like outfits. So for example, the firefighter outfit. And we try that outfit on to see how it feels for us, how well it fits our sense of who we are. And if we like the outfit, then we keep it. And then when someone asks, who are you? We say, we are a firefighter. And then we wear that outfit until it doesn't fit right or it doesn't feel right anymore. So yeah, our identity content includes social roles and super simple one sentence summary for your social roles are that your social roles are all the answers that you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question, who are you? Another part of our identity content are the beliefs that we have about our social roles. And our beliefs about our social roles basically determine every action, every interaction that we'll ever have with another person or anyone filling a social role. So imagine you go shopping for a new outfit, like a pair of pants, right? And you head into a store. And so you're in one social role and the sales clerk is in another role. And so you and the sales clerk interact in a way that's determined based on the social roles that each of you are fulfilling. The sales clerk has the social role of being the sales clerk, and you have the social role of being a shopper. And you each have expectations or beliefs for what that role looks like, your role and the other person's role. And so none of y'all ever actually engage. Like y'all just engage with your beliefs about the role y'all are playing. Like you engage with your beliefs about your role and their role. 
and they engage with their beliefs about their role and your role. And so even when we ask the other person how they are, or we share some light chit chat, all of that is still just our roles engaging. And the rules for engagement are determined by our beliefs about those roles. Like some folks don't engage in those greetings or chit chat at all because that's not a part of their beliefs about those roles. Now, it might seem less obvious how our beliefs determine our identity in our more intimate social roles, like with family. But just like we had expectations about the sales clerk and their role, we also have expectations about family and friends and who they're going to be based on the role that they're filling. And sometimes, especially if we're under stress, then we're going to be less likely to consider the other person who also happens to fulfill a role and more likely to be focused on the role itself and our expectations for that role at any given, at that given moment. And then there are our beliefs in general, like everything from politics to religion to your morals. And if it's not clear how beliefs are a part of someone's identity, just challenge what someone believes and it becomes clear. Folks will generally respond as if you had challenged them directly. And that's because our beliefs are a part of our identity. They're a part of our sense of who we are. But of all the beliefs that we have, it's how we think about ourselves that determines our relationship with everything else. So for example, if we believe that we are good enough or worthy of good things, then when good things appear, we recognize them as being good things. And because we believe that we're good enough and worthy of good things, we're able to enjoy those good things. But if we believe that we're not good enough or not worthy, then even when good things fall in our lap, we either don't recognize them as being good things, or if we do recognize them as being good things, then we just sort of wait for them to go away because that's what we expect is going to happen because we don't deserve that good thing. And either way, whether we don't recognize it as a good thing or we're just waiting for it to go away, we wind up sabotaging the situation. And worst case, sometimes we'll even intentionally sabotage the situation to make the good thing go away. And so what all that means is that how we think about ourselves determines our relationship with everything else. And if we want to change our relationship with anything, we have to change our beliefs about that thing, and we have to change our beliefs about ourselves. So how do we do that? How do we change our beliefs about ourselves? Another way to think about this question is, how do we develop flexibility in our identity? If we really want to tackle a belief, especially a core belief, like something like I'm not worthy, the best way to do that is by working with our stories. So of all the things that we identify with, one of the biggest are our stories. And our stories are just that, meaning the stories that we tell ourselves and others about who we are. So when you first meet someone and you get to know them and you tell them about you, you know, here, this is me, this is where I'm from, my background, that's your story. 
So going back to the Cheshire Cat's question to Alice in Alice in Wonderland, who are you? And we said that Alice might say, I'm a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting yoga instructor. So each one of those can be an I am statement. I am a mother, I am a researcher, part-time firefighting yoga instructor. And each one of those is a social role or a social identity. And if Alice were to add some personal history to that, so we're originally from the English countryside, but now we live in London and we're a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting yoga instructor. That's basically a rough draft of Alice's personal story. And the rest of Alice's identity or their personal story is made up of all the other things that we identify with, all of our beliefs and our memories and our thoughts and our feelings. And the story is what holds them all together. Like the story is like a container for all the parts of our identity, for all of our identity content. And it does that, the story, it does that not just for communicating to others about who we are, but it also does that for communicating to ourselves about who we are. If you've ever been through any kind of major life transition, like a marriage or a divorce, or just even just searching for a new job, then you've worked on your story. Like, so for example, let's say you're applying to be a checkout clerk, right? And you have to speak to your relevant experience. So that means if you're putting together your relevant experience, you're going to do that based on your story. And so you're revising your story, right? You're drafting your story based on your personal relevant experience. And we do the same kind of review and revision of our personal story when we're dating or the revisions that we need to do uh, to our story after we get married or a relationship ends, like any major life change. So sometimes it's really obvious that we need to revise our story because there's been some major life event, but you don't have to wait for a major life event to revise your story. In fact, you want to revise your story anytime that revising your story will help you to live your best life, that will help you to be your fullest self. So just like you wouldn't go on a job interview and talk about how you messed up in previous jobs, and you wouldn't do that because you want to present yourself in a positive light, and so you refine your story to serve you. And when it comes to revising our story, we want to do that for how we present ourselves to others. But we also want to do that for how we present ourselves to ourselves, for how we think about ourselves. And we want to do that because if we don't, then we can walk around all day long with these ideas, something like, I'm not good enough. And if you walk around all day long thinking that you're not good enough, then you're going to have this mindset of, I'm not good enough. And that's the story that you tell yourself. And that story holds together all of your thoughts and your feelings and your memories and your beliefs. So if you believe that you're good enough, then when you're searching your memories, you're going to pull memories of you being good enough. And you're going to pull thoughts and feelings that support the idea that you're good enough. Thoughts like, I'm capable or I've got this. And the feelings that go along with thinking that you're capable and that you've got this. But if you think that you're not good enough, then you're going to pull memories of you not being good enough and thoughts and feelings that support that. And that's how powerful the idea is that how we think about ourselves determines our relationship with everything else. And so that means that if we want to change our relationship with anything, we need to change our 
ideas about our beliefs about that thing and our beliefs about ourselves. So when we want something like to experience more good things in life, we have to change how we think about ourselves and we have to change how we think about good things. And the best way to do that is by developing flexibility in our identity. And the best way to develop flexibility in our identity is by working with our stories. And we work with our stories because ultimately our story holds together all of our beliefs and our thoughts and our feelings and our social roles, everything that everything that we identify with, everything streams together into the story. So to help with developing flexibility in y'all's identity, I created a full length exercise that I published a few weeks ago. There's a link below. And that exercise is designed to bring you all the way to enlightenment which means it's also designed to maximize your identity flexibility. So when you're ready, y'all definitely want to check that out. But so you can try it out, I made just a super quick summary version of the full exercise. So the goal of this exercise is to develop flexibility in your identity. And we use your personal story to do that. And we use your personal story because folks are so wedded to their story that they will fight tooth and nail to hold on to their story exactly as it is. Folks will hold on to stories that are way outdated and that no longer serve them. And so what we do in this exercise is we play around with giving up really important parts of our story because that develops flexibility in our identity. So we, what we do is we pick one of your most important social roles or social identities, like for example, being a mom or being a partner. And we imagine that you're no longer a mom, that you're no longer a partner. And we do this because if you can be even remotely comfortable just playing around with the idea that you're no longer a mom, that shows that you're willing to shift your story which is real flexibility in your identity. And that's the goal. It's just an exercise. It's uncomfortable. And we do it exactly because no one wants to think about the loss of someone that matters to them or the loss of one of their most important social roles. Again, it's uncomfortable, but it's just an exercise and it works. And nothing about your relationship with this person will be negatively impacted in any way because of this exercise. You may even find yourself experiencing greater appreciation for them and more freely expressing your love. So you'll need a pen and paper or your phone or just something to jot a couple of words down with, all right? So go ahead and now and press, pre press pause and go grab something. Okay, so the first thing that we're going to do is pick out the most important person in your life. The nature of the relationship doesn't matter. Just if I say, who's the most important person in your life? Who comes to mind? You'll want to use them. Now, I've had questions from some folks who weren't sure who they should pick. For example, one person reached out saying they thought they should pick one person as the most important person because of social pressure, but that someone else was actually the most important person, that that was the relationship that they enjoyed the most and that came to mind. 
And so I told them that the second one was definitely the relationship that they wanted to use. It might also be the case that you have a tie. And if so, that's okay. Just flip a coin. Okay, so you're going to press pause and take a moment now to pick out your most important relationship. And once you've selected it, write that down. Okay, press pause now and do that. Okay, so now that you've picked out your most important relationship, we're going to find a memory for that person. And you want it to be a positive memory. I'll use Alice, for example. So Alice identified one of their important relationships or their most important social roles as being a mom. Like Alice is a 12-year-old who identifies female. And Alice has a favorite memory of their daughter from many years ago. And it was just Alice's daughter and Alice on one particular day having the time of their lives outside after the rain. And there was a rainbow and they all had muck boots on. And they decided to make mud pies. And there was this one moment where Alice's daughter looked over her shoulder at her mother and Alice will never forget the smile on their daughter's face. And so if Alice really wanted to remember a positive memory of Alice's daughter, that's the memory that Alice would bring to mind. Okay, so now it's y'all's turn. So we're gonna find a positive memory for your most important relationship. It can be a current or a distant memory. And it can be a big deal memory, like a special event or like Alice's, but it can also just be sharing time in the kitchen or on the couch. But again, you want it to be positive. So if y'all tend to argue a lot, you wouldn't want to use that. And then once you have that positive memory, pick two or three words that describe that memory, like to help bring that memory to mind. So for example, Alice would pick rainy day to remember their day. Okay, so let's pause now and find a positive memory for the most important relationship that y'all picked. And when you find the memory, then pick two or three words to use for describing and recalling it, and then write those words down. Okay, so press pause now and do that. Okay, now that y'all have found a positive memory and picked two or three words for recalling that memory, Next, we're gonna practice visualizing the memory. And we'll use the two to three word prompt to bring up the memory. So for example, Alice's prompt was rainy day to bring to mind playing in the mud with their daughter. So Alice would say rainy day to bring up that memory. And then Alice would visualize that memory, thinking about making mud pies with their daughter. And Alice would really focus on that one moment where their daughter looked over her shoulder at her mother and the smile on their daughter's face and the joy that Alice felt. So first we'll all do this together and then y'all will do it again on y'all's own. Okay, so first you'll take a minute now with me to just sit with that memory, all right? So right now, take a look at the two to three word memory prompt for your most important relationship. And so in your mind, go back to that day. And I'm going to give cues, and I want you to try and think about them as they're applicable. Okay. So go back to that day now and picture in your mind, where were y'all?
And where were y'all sitting or how were y'all standing? And what were y'all wearing? What was happening? And how did y'all feel? And now I want you to take a moment to practice again on your own. If there were any parts that you weren't sure about, if it was a long time ago, or if it's just a generalized memory, don't stress about it. It doesn't really matter. All that matters is that you're able to come up with enough detail to really picture the memory, to have it feel real. And for more generalized memories, you're kind of making the memory up, picking different parts from different memories. So you could use someone's PJs or their favorite t-shirt and slippers for clothes. And to make it feel really real, you can imagine the feeling of the spot on the couch, the groove on the couch underneath you. And again, you just wanna have enough detail to make it feel real. Okay, so take a moment now to practice again on your own. So go ahead now and press pause. So we used that memory to bring up our social identity, the role that we fulfill with our most important person. And now that we're in touch with how important they are, and it is for us to be our social role, a daughter or a mother or a partner, now we're going to practice no longer being that social identity. And to do that, we pretend that something has happened, that our person has passed away. And so just as a reminder, the goal of this exercise is to develop flexibility in our identity. And we use your personal story to do that. And so we start with a part of the story that is really important and positive. Because if you can be comfortable playing around with giving up a really important positive part of your story, like your favorite social role, that's flexibility in your identity. It's just an exercise. It's uncomfortable, but it works. And nothing about your relationship with this person will be negatively impacted in any way. 
you may even find yourself experiencing greater appreciation for them and more freely expressing your love. So if your mind fights and says, I don't want to do this, just say, I know, I know, but it's okay. It's just an exercise. So for example, Alice would bring up the wonderful memory that they have of making mud pies with their daughter and the smile on their daughter's face and the joy that Alice felt in their heart. And Alice would embrace that memory for just a moment, would let it wash over. And then Alice would imagine a knock on the door, letting Alice know that their daughter has died. And then Alice would take a moment to sit with the impact of that, to let it hit them that their daughter was gone. And then Alice would say, I am no longer a mother. And then Alice would take a moment to sit with the impact of that, to feel that loss, the loss of their social identity as a mother, because being the mother meant the world to Alice. And to do this, Alice would imagine the feeling of a dull ache in their chest and an emptiness in the pit of their stomach. And then Alice would wonder, who am I now without this person? Who am I now that they are not coming back? Who am I if I am not a mom? Okay, so first you'll take a minute now with me to bring up that memory. So right now, take a look at the two to three word memory prompt for your most important relationship that y'all picked. And now imagine there is a knock on the door, letting you know that this important person has died. Your special person is gone. They are not coming back. Let yourself feel the shock of the news. And now say, I am or we are no longer a mother, a daughter, a sister, or whatever the significant relationship was. You are no longer a mother, a daughter, a sister, 
or whatever that significant relationship was. Let yourself feel the shock of this. And now ask, who am I now without this person? Who am I now that they are not coming back? Who am I if I am not a mom? Or whatever the significant relationship was. Okay, and that is a super quick version of the extended exercise for developing identity flexibility. If you're ready, I would recommend doing the extended version of the exercise. It's okay to take it one day at a time and just do a section a day. It's a simple exercise, but it's very deep and very powerful and it won't negatively impact you. And if you put the work in, you will see big results. I would recommend committing to it on a daily basis for even just a few minutes at a time. Today, we went through an exercise for creating flexibility in your identity. And we used your personal story to do that. And we used a really important part of your story because if you can be comfortable playing around with giving up a really important part of your story, that's the best way to develop flexibility in your identity. It's uncomfortable, but it's just an exercise and nothing about your relationship with this person will be negatively impacted in any way. And it works. That was what I had to share today. If you enjoyed this, please hit like so that it makes it because it makes it easier for others to find it. And please leave a comment. And if you give the exercise a whirl, I would be so very grateful for any feedback. You can leave any feedback in the comments below, or you can email me at kate at katetbenson.com. If y'all are curious about me, you can learn more and sign up for my newsletter at kate-t-benson.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kate T. Benson and subscribe on YouTube. Thank you so much for your time. I see you. I appreciate you. Until next time. Namaste.